Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. This episode is about the teacher as a servant. Bible teachers do many things when they share the word, but the most important one they do is serve. A number of different motives can slip into the hearts of teachers. So this episode talks about some bad motives for teaching, what the right motives are, and how we can practically serve people while we're teaching. Let's dive in. You are right now listening to the 30th episode of First Time Bible Teacher, which is crazy because I thought like maybe I'd do 10 and now we're at 30. So this is cool. Thanks for listening. Talking about the teacher as a servant, let me begin by saying it is good to want to teach the Bible. I think it's a good thing to want to be in a position where you are teaching the word with other people. Uh, Paul seemed to think it was a good thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. It's a noble thing to want to teach the Bible. And sometimes we attack the idea of wanting to be a Bible teacher as a strange paradox, almost as if the two can't happen. That to really become a a faithful Bible teacher or a pastor or something like that, it almost needs to happen to you. And some people have even learned the idea that if you even aspire or want to be a Bible teacher, that's a sign of pride in your own heart. I, I don't necessarily think that that's true. Humility doesn't mean you have to not want to be a Bible teacher, but I do think humility is super important because it means wanting to do something for the right reasons. It means wanting to teach for the real purpose of teaching. And the real purpose of teaching is serving the people that are sitting in front of you. Lots of different bad motives can slip in for Bible teachers. There's all kinds of bad reasons that people can wind up desiring to teach. And These are going to sound super basic. These are things that I'm sure you've thought about, you've heard about before, but they're worth taking the time to remind ourselves of because here's what I don't want people thinking. I don't want you to think that to have bad motives in teaching means you have to have exclusively bad motives. The problem with the human heart is that we're good at thinking two different things at the same time. We're good at believing two opposed views all at once. So there will be a genuine part of you that wants to teach the Bible for the good reasons of blessing other people and wanting to see them grow in their walk. And mixed with that, there will be these dangerous reasons, perhaps, that you want to teach the Bible. And that's why those reasons are worth bringing up. I'm not saying that these are the only thing you're thinking when you're going up and teaching the Bible, but if they are part of what you're thinking, then they are dangerous and they need to be called out. And I don't say these reasons just because I've seen them in other people. I'm able to say them because I've seen them in my own heart. I want to talk about just three quick bad reasons for teaching the Bible. The first is personal aspiration. Now that sounds like it's contrary to what we just read in scripture, that if you desire or it even used the specific word, if you aspire to be a church leader, you desire an honorable position. Well, yeah, the position is honorable, and wanting to be that kind of person for the right reason is good, 
But if the reason is because I want to achieve and reach some new level, then that's a scary thing. I think some people confuse wanting to teach the Bible with wanting to be a famous Bible teacher. And especially with the rise of online content for Bible teaching, with the rise of podcasts, perhaps even like this one. And this is something I need to think about as I make this particular show. The way that um, different things get reposted on Instagram, different teaching podcasts get passed around amongst a lot of different churches. It's now easier than ever to want to have a platform in preaching because it's easier than ever to have your platform go beyond the very room that you're in. You know, the Apostle Paul was never live streamed. Um, Peter never had a sermon get a really great response on Instagram Live. Like, that's a new thing that teachers have to face. And it's good that we use these tools. I'm, I'm literally using one of them right now, using podcasting as a way to share with other people about good Bible teaching, or hopefully good Bible teaching, depending on what you think of me. Um, but we have all of these different tools that can turn the idea of, I want to teach for the sake of others into teaching can become a way that I reach some career goals. You know, Bible teaching isn't just a fun career path. I think it's one of the most fun things that a person can do, but you can't do it just because it's fun. You need to do it because you're called to do it. If you just are thinking, well, I want to be up there like those people. I want to be just like the other people who are producing different content, I think I can be as good as them, so I'm going to try it for those reasons. That's a bad reason for Bible teaching. And this can come out in really subtle ways. You can look at the opportunities Bible teachers who are friends of yours are getting, and you could say, well, I deserve those opportunities. Be really, really careful about personal ambition slipping into your motives for Bible teaching. That's one bad reason to want to teach the Bible. A second bad reason to want to teach the Bible is finding external validation, finding other people to validate your walk with the Lord. We talk about this often on this show. Bible teachers are literally on pedestals. They are literally put on a platform for people to look at. And this happens on Sunday mornings as pastors are preaching, and it happens in the hearts of the people sitting in the congregation all throughout the week. It's easy for people to look up to their Bible teachers. And hopefully, it's because their Bible teachers are living good lives. It's because they're walking with the Lord. It's not because they're perfect, but it's because they're doing their best to be faithful, and they're a good example to their congregation. But because those people can get that kind of praise, they can get that kind of validation, some people look at the validation Bible teachers get and they say, well, I want some of that. I want people to come up to me and say, wow, you're such a humble servant. You're such a faithful leader. You're such a good teacher. And they hear all those things as, yes, you really are loved by God. We need to be really careful of that. It is fun to hear compliments about yourself. It just is. It's nice to be told that you're doing something well, but we need to be careful if part of why we want to teach is for people to tell us we're doing well. That's a bad reason 
for wanting to teach the Bible, and that's one that can very subtly slip in. Uh, so two bad reasons thus far for wanting to teach the Bible, your own personal aspirations, your desire, your, your desire, that's not a word, your desire for external validation, and thirdly, a sense of superiority. Some people lead because they don't trust anyone else to lead. Some people want to be in charge because they think they are the best possible person to be in charge. And that's a dangerous place to be if you're, the, if you're going to be a Bible teacher. If you're the one who's supposed to lead people spiritually, let me tell you that pride makes for terrible spiritual leaders. If you feel like you deserve to be the one who's teaching the Bible, then you are in a dangerous place. You are in a really scary spot. Anyone who's going to teach the Bible well, they need to do it from a sense of not being above the people, but being beneath the people. Being the one who wants to look out on a congregation and say, how can I lift you up to stand on my shoulders? How can I put you guys in spots so that you're the real stars of the church? Not so that I'm the star of the church. How can I make it so that you guys are the ones fulfilling your calling? fulfilling your role, fulfilling the things God has put in front of you to do. It's a very backwards way of looking. We look at teachers as leaders, but they need to be leaders who lead from behind. They need to be leaders who lead from beneath the people, not saying we're going to be the ones who are ahead and up front and better than everybody else. Rather saying we're the ones who are below. We're the ones who are taking care of the little things for you so that you're free to really fulfill what God has for you. Bible teachers can't feel superior to the people that they're teaching. That's pride that will ruin any ability you have to live up to the real reason that we should teach people. We should teach the Bible because we want to serve people. Serving people is the real point of teaching. So many people get caught up on the question, what makes for a successful church service? And I think it's an interesting question, not because it's difficult to answer, but because it's difficult to quantify. You know, we like having check marks. We like having boxes that we can tick off. Fun fact, my notes for this show literally have boxes right next to each point I want to make that I check off as I'm going along. Maybe you didn't know that. Um, but we love seeing that in all sorts of different things. We love having these little numbers that we can hit. If we see this number of people um, enter into home groups, if we see this number of people enter into this new stage of discipleship, then we'll know that our Sunday worked. And, and all those things are good, I guess. You know, they, they can be helpful things. But ultimately, a successful Sunday or a successful Bible teaching is one where people grow. You know, real success in teaching is just helping other people grow. And all of the work we do on style and craft and honing the skill sets of Bible teaching, we don't do those things so we can get ahead. We do those things so that the people we teach can get ahead, so that they can grow, so that they can sense more of God at work in their life. Everything we do in teaching is simply about serving people. And what's interesting, I was just having a talk with a friend about this a couple hours ago. Shout out, Zach Peck. We were talking about the idea that if 
we just go around chasing our dreams and our ambitions, it seems like God rarely honors that. God rarely seems to give one of his servants all the things that they're hoping for just because they were chasing the ambition. You know, so if we seek a platform, if we seek uh, a higher number of connections with influential people, if we seek some new teaching place, you know, some bigger number uh, of people that we could be teaching, if we go and seek out those things, it seems like God rarely honors that. He'll put roadblocks in your way because that's teaching with the wrong motive. Hopefully, he'll slow you down from that. doesn't mean he'll do it every time. Sometimes he needs to let us run in our sin before he can crush us in a way that we're, we're going to be ready to listen to. But we shouldn't go out just chasing our own dreams, chasing our own ambitions. What we find instead is that when we chase God, he gives us more than we were ever ambitious for. When we just say, you know what, it's not about the platform I have, it's not about the opportunities I get, it's not about anything like that, Lord, I just want more of you. When we do that, when we show that faithfulness of heart, he then gives us opportunities to be faithful with. Now, this isn't some magic trick that we should use to try to, you know, swindle God into giving us all the opportunities we were really hoping for, but it's a helpful principle that should teach our hearts some humility, that it's not about the things that we get to do. It's about the God that we get to serve and the way that we get to share God with people. That's really what everything comes down to. We're here to serve as Bible teachers, not to be served. So then, how can you do that? How can you, in a teaching, actually serve your people? And how can you push back on some of these different motives? Well, first, ask what your people need to hear. What interests you in a passage may not interest your people. And I'm not saying that you should teach just what your people think is interesting. You should teach the kinds of things that they need. Now, if your motive is personal aspiration, you're not going to teach what your people need. You're going to teach what makes you sound smart. If you have a sense of superiority, you're not going to teach what your people need. You're going to look down on your people with different topics that you face. If your teaching motive is external validation, you're not going to teach what people need to hear. You're going to teach what turns into compliments for you. If you're really teaching as a servant, you're going to say, Lord, what do these people need to hear? And all of those needs are things that push people towards growth. It's not things that will necessarily make you popular. It's not things that will necessarily make you loved. It's not things that necessarily will lead to your people coming up to you afterwards and saying, wow, what a great sermon that was. Those aren't the things your people need. You, your people need the things that make them say, wow, that's what God was saying. That's what I really needed to hear. They'll actually come up and use that phrase. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, that was a really good sermon, and, and that feels good to hear, but it feels so much better to hear people come up to me afterwards and say, you know, that was what I needed, because then I know that the teaching actually worked, not just that they were interested in me as a public speaker. So ask that question, what do your people need to hear? It may not be what you want to teach. It may not be what's easy to teach. It may not be the most apparent thing in the passage, 
But if you're finding what your people need, it'll be what creates and leads to the most fruit. Ask what your people need to hear. Then once you have that, ask the second question, ask how your people need to hear it. Ask what your people are most likely to listen to. Your personal style as a teacher doesn't matter as much as people growing. Example, I used to teach in a middle school youth group. And one of the difficult things about middle school youth groups is they haven't seen any of the movies I like. They have seen just the stuff that's come out in the last 10 years. They have all of these references I don't understand. A lot of illustrations that I might use, they don't get at all. And it's easy for me to just rely on the illustrations and examples that are comfortable for me rather than saying, well, will they actually understand this illustration? Will they get where I'm coming from? As the Bible teacher, your role is to go to the audience. You are the one bringing the truth to them. It's not up to them to come to you. They've already come to you. They showed up in the room. They, they did their part. Now it's your turn. Now it's your job to do the work of bringing a word that they are ready to understand. And a lot of that comes through prayer. A lot of that comes through the Lord revealing that as you pray and seek him. But it has to come from this question, how will your people actually receive it? There's a lot of people trying to turn their room or their congregation into people that know how to listen to them rather than turning their teachings into something their congregation can already hear. And I think we should do the second of those things. We should take our messages and make them fit the people who are in our rooms. So ask how your people need to hear it. And then the last bit, take time for individuals after your teaching. I get that teaching is emotionally draining. I get that it's a difficult thing to do. And I know that after I've talked for a while, sometimes I just don't want to talk anymore. I would finish teachings and I would just want to be done. But your teaching doesn't end with your conclusion. It ends when you actually leave the room. And there are so many opportunities to take the generalities of your teaching and have them hit people specifically if you're just willing to take time for them. If you're willing to hang around afterwards, if you're willing to meet people as they share with you their thoughts from the teaching, if you're willing to ask questions of people about ways that they think they're going to go apply it, your teaching can become so much more effective because you took more time for the people. Because instead of saying, you know what, I'm tired, I did my part, I guess I'm technically done, instead of doing that, if you just stick around, If you tell the people you're willing to answer questions, you're willing to pray with them, you're willing to engage with them in meaningful conversation about what God may have been saying to them through that text, you may find that all of your teaching was really just setting up that conversation. You may find that the whole sermon for that person was just about getting them to the point where they were ready to share the things that they're going to share with you. And remember, if the whole goal of teaching is that we serve people, then this is the perfect way to do it by hanging around and saying, I am here for you. There's a lot of bad, subtle reasons that can slip their way into our teachings. But when we look at Jesus 
And we remember that he came to the earth not to receive service from us, but to serve us. When we see that example, then we have to look at things and say, we need to do them the same way. We need to be the kind of servants that Jesus was in every area of life. And that includes the way we go about teaching the Bible. Thank you for listening to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment, leave a rating or a review. Those go such a long way in getting the word out about this podcast, and they're very encouraging to me personally. So take a moment to do that. This podcast is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. You could go to our website, goodlion.io, to find all the episodes of this podcast and many other programs like it. We also have articles and educational resources meant to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well as our main one, the Good Lion Podcast, where we have an interview with Dr. Gary Brashears coming out really soon. So we're super excited about that. I work on that podcast with my co-host Aaron Salvato. You can follow Good Lion on Instagram at goodlion.io and you can follow this podcast, First Time Bible Teacher, by just looking up at First Time Bible Teacher on Instagram. You'll get episode art, you'll learn about different shows that are on the network, and you'll be able to keep up with where this podcast is headed. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.